Hey there. Before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. Dangerous prayers. It's not going to be dangerous in the sense that it's life-threatening, but it will be dangerous in the sense that it's life-altering. It's not going to be dangerous in the sense where it's going to cause an injury, but it will be dangerous in the sense that it may shift your identity. Dangerous prayers. And our text today is found in Psalms chapter 139, verse 23 and 24. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Search me, God, and know my heart. It continues to say, it says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Verse 24 says, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. This is a text that we cover at Matrix. So I was, I was this close to call this Matrix Sunday, all right? So we're bringing Matrix on a Sunday. Come on, somebody. You're getting it for free. You don't even have to pay the 125 It's for free today. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments that we have together. We thank you that you are speaking to us today. We thank you that we are opening our hearts today to speak to our lives. We want to say, Lord, search our hearts. Search our hearts today, Lord God. Let our, uh, let our hearts be open wide to whatever it is that you want to do there, Lord God. Whatever it is that you want to show us, whatever it is that you want to deal with. In your name we pray. And everyone says, amen and amen. Let's give God a shout of praise one more time in this room. Now... I think Sundays is a good time to be transparent. Isn't that right? It's a good time to be transparent. Um, I want to ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Is there anybody in the room who has ever told a lie? Try that again. Is there anybody? Matter of fact, if you've ever told a lie, raise your hand. Raise your hand. I just want you to look at the people not raising their hand. Those are the worst of our kind, right? Uh, let's be honest. We all lie, right? We all lie for different reasons. Come on, let's be honest. Don't be, don't be trying to be self-righteous here. We all lie for different reasons. I mean, people lie all the time. People lie because they want to avoid trouble. And people... Oh, that was a loud amen. I said, sorry. She said, amen. That's right. That's the only reason I lie. I lie because I want to stay out of trouble. Come on, somebody. But people lie because they want to stay out of trouble. Some people lie because um, they want to stay out of trouble. And some people lie and they get into trouble for lying. You know what I'm talking about? If you've been married, you know exactly what I'm saying. But people lie all the time. I lied in my past to get out of trouble. I, I don't know about you, but I was raised in a home where you used to get beat for doing wrong things. And I was raised in a in a Spanish home, and I was raised in a Pentecostal home. So that means it was double for my trouble. You know what I mean? So you got double the beating for the one thing you did. As a matter of fact, beatings went around so much in my home, like if one of the kids did something wrong. Like I got beat for stuff I didn't do. 
It just went around. And here's a per- perfect example. I had to lie to get out of trouble. I remember one time that for whatever reason, I wrote a poem in a brand new composition notebook. And I just wrote a brand new poem. I've been spitting bars since I was eight years old. Come on, you know what I mean? And, and I wrote a poem in, in a book. And the next day I went to look for it and I couldn't find it. And I thought it was bright, the bright idea to rip off every page in the composition notebook to find the poem. Now my mother walks in the room and she's like, who did this? And I was like, it wasn't me. Now, I was the good child. I'm just going to let you know that right now. Anybody the favorite sibling? You know what I mean? And, and I was the good child. And then my mother knows she goes to the bad child. I mean, Raul, he, she goes to Raul and she's like, you did this. He's like, no, mommy, I didn't do this. I literally saw my older brother get beat with a belt. And if you don't know what a belt is, it's a thing that goes around your waist. But in a Hispanic home, it was the quintessential weapon for childhood discipline. You know what I mean? Like that joint. Like I told my son the other day about the stories about the belt. And he was like, and one time he was like, what are you going to do, hit me with the belt? I'm like, child, you don't even know what that was back in the day. All right? You don't even know. And I saw my mother beat my brother for something that I did because I wasn't willing to get in trouble for it. I lied. I even lied to stay out of trouble, but I also lied about how much trouble I got into. Because one time my father thought he beat me and he didn't beat me. I'm telling you, I promise you, my my brother and I, we were running away from the belt. I know. You'd be like, how could you be scared of a belt? Trust me. Let me hit you a couple of times with it. But I was running away from the belt. My father was chasing me and my brother. I dive in. If you had bunk beds, you know the blessing of a bunk bed. Like, I just dove in the bunk bed. You know what I mean? Like, I dove in headfirst to the bunk bed. My father swings the belt all the way from the top, and he whiplashes, but he thinks he hits me in my back. So I I went like soap opera drama mode. I start crying like J-Lo in a romantic comedy. I'm like, ah! And my father thought he hit me so hard, he stopped hitting me and he started hitting my brother. And my younger brother starts catching the beating. After the beatings are over, he comes to me, he's like, are you okay? I saw, I was like, are you okay? He's like, no, are you okay? I saw he hit you right in the back. You know that stage, man, I'm so sorry. I was, I felt, I was getting beaten. I was feeling bad for you. I was like, child, I was frying. I said, Fofo, I was fronting because I'm telling you right now, I didn't get hit not one bit. I had to front so that I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't keep getting hit. And I just started crying like J-Lo. I said, he goes, what? I got beat extra because you were crying so hard. I said, that's right. You got to fake it until you make it. Listen, we all try. Some of us, uh, we all lie. Some of us lie for different reasons. Let's keep it honest. Let's keep it real. We lie about our weight. You know, you be wearing those shirts that hold everything in. You know what I mean? I'm wearing one of them joints right now. I'm just saying. I'm letting you know. Una faja, le ponen una. You know what I'm saying? You hold everything together. You lying about your weight. You, you lie. That's not your real hair color. Don't. Your eyelashes don't look that long and that crisp. Come on. Come on. My hairline don't look this crisp by itself naturally. I'm just saying. We all lie. We all lying up in here. We lie for different reasons. We we lie to exaggerate our looks. We lie to stay. We lie because we don't want to hurt other people sometimes, right? We, we all lie for, for different reasons. Uh, the truth is, statistically, the human being, humans lie to, humans are lied to approximately 10 to 200 times a day. 
You know that statistically? About, two, about 10 to 200 times a day you are being lied to. Look at the person next to you. Nah, don't tell them. Don't tell them that. Don't tell them. Don't tell them what you were thinking. Don't. Don't tell them. And statistically, we lie about two to ten times a day. Someone's, someone has a higher average. Some of us have higher averages than others. But statistically, we lie about, we lie to each other. We lie. We actually commit the lie about two to ten times a day. But, but you know, you, you're probably like, Pastor Ro, why are you telling this to us on a Sunday? Like, I'm, I, came, well, I came walking in here to be encouraged, to be blessed. And you walk, you, you telling me I'm a liar. I'm going to leave out here thinking that I'm the worst. No, here, here's what I want you to catch because um, greater than the lies others tell you and greater the, than the lies you tell others are the lies you tell yourself. See, the most common lie that occurs is the lie that we tell ourselves. You know, what do you mean, Pastor? Like, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you know when you have to lie to yourself, when you, when, when, when you have to kind of like rationalize what's going on in your life. I don't got an eating problem. I don't have an unhealthy relationship with food, Lisa. I don't have an unhealthy relationship with food. I just like to eat. Oh, oh. Let's, let's, keep, let's keep it more serious. Let's keep it more real, right? Oh, I don't have an anger issue. You know, I'm good. You know what I mean? I just, you know, just don't get me angry and I'll be good. Don't do the thing I don't like and I'm all right. Right? I don't got no anger problems. I don't got a pride issue. Man, come on. Stop saying I'm pride. I'm not, I'm not prideful. I'm not, I'm not prideful. You know, I'm just confident. I just got to say it. Some, somebody had to do it. Somebody has to say it. See, greater... And the lies we tell each other are the lies that we tell ourselves. See, this is why I love this prayer. I love this prayer because um, if it's true that the lies that we tell our, ourselves are the greatest, then it, it might be true that there's a truth that lies within us that we don't want to face. See, see. I love this prayer because David is essentially saying this. He's saying, search me, oh God, because I'm done with the lies. Like, I, I'm, I, it's, 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 I'm, I'm done with the lies. I'm done with deceiving myself. I'm done with the lying to myself. I'm, I'm done with, with kidding myself. Like, I, I love this prayer because in context, David is actually being persecuted by King Saul. And King Saul is accusing him. He's saying that he, David is being unfaithful to God. He's saying that David is trying to ascend to the throne. And he says, listen, listen, you're unfaithful to God because you're trying to, uh, you're trying to ascend the throne. And David, instead of being defensive, David, instead of rationalizing, David, instead of saying, what, are you kidding me? I'm a man after God's own heart. No, David says, Lord, is it, is it true? Like, Lord, maybe I've deceived myself. Lord, maybe, maybe I've let pride sink on the inside. He's saying, Lord... Lord, search my heart. Lord, Lord, look inside the crevices of my soul. Lord, take, take a look in my heart and see what's in there. He's saying, Lord, because, because I'm, I'm getting to an age that I'm done with the lies. I'm done with kidding myself. I'm done with allowing that one thing to get in the way of everything you've promised me. Lord, search my heart. Has anybody ever been to the place where you're just done with the lies, where you're just done with allowing that thing to get in on the inside of you, where you're done with that 
thing that is stopping you from achieving that all God has for you. If you're done with the lies today, give God some praise in this room. It's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm just done. I'm done. I'm, I'm at a place where I'm done with fronting anymore. I'm just, I'm just tired of fronting. I'm, 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 tired of, I'm tired of just playing the part. I want to be authentic. I want to be real. I'm, I'm tired of fabricating the truth. I'm, 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 I'm tired. Lord, search my heart. See, the reason that this is a dangerous prayer is because it's, it's saying, God, you have permission to go into the depths of my heart, even if what you reveal I don't like. I want to break down this, this text in, in in four parts. Here's the first one. I want to talk to us about our heart. Everybody shout heart. heart. You see, the reason that this is a dangerous prayer is because we're saying, God, God, I want you to go deep on the inside of my heart, and I want you to reveal to me what it is that's holding me back. It's telling God this. It's telling God, I, I, I don't care what the findings are, because here's the truth. What God reveals to you may not always feel encouraging, but it will always be edifying. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to give you another chance to say amen. What God reveals may not feel encouraging, but it will always be edifying. See, because, because edification doesn't always feel encouraging. See, because God will show you some things that may cause some temporary pain, but just to avoid some permanent destruction. It's saying, God, I open up my heart to you. And I'm not asking you to deal with the things that are on the, are, are, are my circumstance. I'm asking you to deal with my character. It's saying, God, I'm not asking you to do something for me on the outside. It's saying, God, I want you to deal with the me on the inside. It's saying, God, I open up myself to you. And I want you to, to reveal to me what it is that is burdening my life. What it is that keeps me anxious. What it is that's holding me back. God, reveal yourself in me. It's not saying, God, I want you to deal with the world around me. It's saying, God, I want you to deal with the world inside of me. This is something I, I teach my, my son all the time, Bishop. I said, Pa, the best way you can deal with your circumstances is by dealing with your character. It's what you can't worry about the thing that you are not in control of. You can only worry about what the thing that God has given you dominion over. And it's saying, Lord, I want you to deal with my heart. Everybody shout heart. heart. See, I know, I know some of us might be like, you know, Pastor Ro, thank you for this message, but I'm good. I have a good heart. I have a good heart. Matter of fact, I'm kind of like David. I'm a man after God's own heart. Except that, you know, the Bible will tell us apart from Jesus that our heart is deceitful, that our heart is wicked. You know, the prophet Jeremiah wrote this down, God speaking to him, and he says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Watch this. All things and desperately wicked who really knows how, how bad it is. He's saying the, the heart is desperately 
wicked. And, and here's what I want us to understand, that when we're asking God to search our hearts, hear, hear me, we're not asking God to search our hearts so that what he finds, once he finds it, he'll show it to us, we'll deal with it, and then now he'll start loving us. And now God will show us something, but then now God, because you're dealing with it, now God will be more accepting of you. And God is now happy with you. And God is content with you. No, no, no. See, what God reveals to you is not for God's benefit. What God reveals to you is for your benefit. And when we open up our lives to say, God, I want you to, to show me, Lord, deal with me, Lord, Lord, Work in my heart. Work in my character. It's not so that God will approve of you or God will love you more. But when we open up ourselves and surrender our will and surrender our heart to God, we're saying, God, deal with me. And when God deals with you, it might just make you love God more. See, when God deals with your heart, God doesn't love you more. God doesn't accept you more. God doesn't have more favor upon your life. But when God deals with your heart, you may love God more. You may worship him more. You may read your word more. You may go out and live a kind of life that says to other people that my God is a good God. When you open up your heart and say, God, you know my heart. And I love David because David is, he goes to the only one who is qualified to do the examination. How many of you know that before a doctor can give the diagnosis and before a doctor gives an examination that you want some knowledge on his qualifications? I, I want to know. I, when I injured my neck, I, I wanted to know. I had to do research on if this guy's going to cut me open, I want to make sure that he is qualified. I want to know how many people you cut open, how many people survived, how many people did it, how many people are like this, or how many people gain mobility. Thank God I went to the surgeon of all surgeons, and hallelujah, Jesus. I want to know, and, and I love David because this is verse 23, but for 18 verses, David begins to list the qualifications of the examiner. David begins to, to, to give credit He's to, to the only one that is qualified to, to search his heart. He, he's the only one that is qualified to know his heart. Jeremiah says it later on. He says, uh, God says this through Jeremiah. He says, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God search and examine the mind I get to the heart of the human watch this and I get to the root of the things I treat them as they really are not as they pretend to be I don't know about you but I want God to deal with who I really am not who I pretend to be and David begins to spend 18 verses just breaking down the resume of our God. I love it because you read it from verse 1 and he'll start saying things. When you begin to read it, it'll be something like he knows my highs and he knows my lows. He knows my good and he knows my bad. He knows my valleys and he knows my peaks. Man, he knows my actions before I do them. He knows my words before I say them. He knows my thoughts before I conceive them. He, he knows. He knows me. If I go to the heavens he is there if I go to the Hades he is there with me if I if I go to the darkness what is darkness to a light what is darkness to the one that knows me he knows me before I was inside of my mother he knows me PG 13 before I was inside of my father he he knows he knows me 
knows me fully and loves me completely. I, I need to go to, I need to go to the only one that knows me before I knew me, before I created a persona, before I embraced an ego, before I started experiencing life, before I wanted wants, before I, I need to go to the only one who can perform the examination because can I tell you, you cannot perform the examination. It's only God that can perform the examination. It's only God that can search our hearts. And here's the second thing I want to talk to you. He says, so he says search me, O God, and know my heart. Watch this. Here it goes. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Know my anxious thoughts. If you're watching this online, I want you to participate right now. Just type that in the comment section. Type anxious thoughts. And when we're talking about anxious thoughts, you might, I don't deal with anxiety. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have that. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about the things that, that these moments of nervousness or these moments of anxiety. I'm not talking about that. I'm, here's what I'm talking about. In, in context, David wasn't a man that was fearful. He was a man of battle. He would go to war and he would defeat giants. This was a man that knew how to conquer territory. But there was something that was, that was dealing with David. And, and the idea there is, is this part of us that, that, that has our mind hostage. It's not being scared of spiders or, or snakes or heights. It's, it's what keeps you up at night. Like what's the, what's the last thing you're, you're just kind of like rumorating on? Is that the word? Close though. It was close. What's, what's the Rolodex that keeps going around in your brain over and over Again, what are your, your anxious thoughts? And I want to read to us a quote from the book. Watch this. It says, what we fear the most is where we trust God the least. Can you put that in the comments, someone? What we fear the most is where we trust God the least. It says, what we fear matters. Our fear reveals how we're relying on our own efforts and not trusting in our Savior. Your, your stress might be an indicator of the area that you may not be trusting God in. When we're praying this prayer, we are literally asking God to show us what holds our mind hostage because that's the area that we may be trusting God the least. And in full disclosure, I, I, I thank God for what I've experienced in the last four years through counseling and through Matrix. Anybody grateful for uh, the ministry of, of Matrix University? <laughs> this is one of the prayers that we pray at Matrix. And when we're dealing in the last three months, it's called freedom. And, and uh, I've taken it about three times. And let me tell you, I've been serving God for 20 years now. I know, you're, I know you'll be like, wow, you've been... You've been Serving God since you were one. But I've been serving God for 20 years now. And, um, and I'm still, I'm, the Lord is still working in me. 
the Lord is still dealing in me. And, and I've, again, I've done Matrix now. I'm, I think I'm on my fourth year now doing Matrix. And, and I remember part of the assignment was praying this prayer and asking God to deal with, with my heart. Lord, search my heart, Lord. Lord, I know that, I know that this ain't working the way it's supposed to. You know, I, I don't know about, I don't know what it is about getting older that you start reflecting on stuff a little bit more. I don't know what it is about having a 15-year-old son that you just start reflecting on life a little bit more. And you kind of start getting tired of being the same way over and over and struggling with the same thing over and over. And God is saying, hey, I'm still waiting for you to trust me with that. And, and I'm going to be honest, full disclosure, the more God has been healing me, the more I'm able to share these things. Because it's tough sometimes being transparent before people, not knowing if you're going to be judged and people are going to look at you. And that's why I always like to say, like, this is a judgment-free zone. I, I don't care how you come here. God is going to deal with you. We're not going to look at you any different. We're going to look at you with eyes of grace. And no one's going to judge you. We're always going to pull you to become more like Jesus because that is our job. But we're not going to judge you in the state that you're in. We're always going to send the lifesaver to pull you out of it. And in going years in Matrix, I remember that in, in a moment, you know, just dealing like, Lord, search my heart and see where these anxious thoughts and it's, it's what keeps you up at night. It's the fear. For some of us, it's the fear of being stuck in a bad relationship. For some of us, it's, it's the fear of not making it in life. For some of us, it's, it's the fear of uh, dealing in a bad marriage. For some of us, it's, it's the fear of never changing. For some of us, it's the fear of changing. For, for, it's, like, it's like these are the things that we are absolutely petrified of. And I remember the Lord, I mean, in the book you'll read Pastor Craig talk about his, his fear of failure. And, and I can't relate to the fear of failure because I've never been scared of failing. But I know years ago the Lord showed me that I was petrified of being seen as a failure. Again, I've never shared this publicly, so this is, this is even hard for me to share as, as people are going to watch this online. But I just believe that my life is not meant to keep it a, keep it a secret and not share and not be transparent. But I want to tell you, Christ Uncensored House of Worship, I've, for years I lived a life petrified. Of being seen as a failure. And so I spent years just, just, just trying to play the part. And years trying to act the part. And, and I'm not scared of failing. But I'm scared of you seeing me as a failure. I'm scared. And so even in ministry I would do do so that people could say. Hey, so I could tell somebody. Hey am I valuable? Am I valuable enough for you? Am I doing good? Am I, am I a success in your eyes? And then my work was attached to my identity. So when I performed, it was directly connected. Is that my phone? Oh, that's someone's phone. Tell them Jesus loves them. <laughs> Tell them, whoever it is, you just ruined the moment right now, bro. It's just. And I spent years with tying my, my identity to the thing that I do. Because, because I always wanted to be seen as a success. And so here, 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 look what I'm doing. Is that, is, because if you like what I'm doing, that means I'm successful in your eyes. 
If you like my body of work, if you like my resume, that means I'm successful in your eyes. Hey, do you, hey, am, am, I, am I good enough? Hey, am I a success in your eyes? Hey, and I spent years of my life being driven by fear when I should have been motiv motivated by faith. He's saying, God, search me and see if there's anything in my life right now that I'm not trusting you in. It's, it's the fear that paralyzes you. It's the fear that is holding your, your mind hostage. And it's the fear that just completely paralyzes you. And David said, listen, I, I'm just, I know that this area brings me the greatest fear because I'm not trusting you in that area. And I don't know where you are today, but maybe when you're hearing this, something comes to mind and you know exactly what it is that you're fearing. You, you, you know exactly what it is that you have fear of. And I just want to submit to you today with everything that's going on in our world. What if we just said, God, I have nothing to lose. God, I want to trust you in this area. I don't want to hold on to this fear. I want your love to come in. And I, look what the Bible says. The Bible says that there is no fear in love because fear has the suspicion of punishment. Do you understand that? That every time we choose to walk in fear, what we're saying is that God's love is still not enough for us. It's saying, it's saying there is no fear in love because, because love, because fear has suspicion of punishment. In other words, you kind of live this life like expecting bad things that it's eventually going to go wrong it's eventually going to go bad something's going to happen and it's not that bad things won't happen is that God has not called his children and his people who are called by his name to operate with the expectation of punishment with the expectation of bad he says perfect love here's what it does it casts out all fear, which is to say that we can have, come on somebody, we can have expectation of good. It's saying, hey, my kids are going to be safe because he loves them more than I do. My marriage is going to be secure because he's holding it in his hands. It's saying my finances are going to be okay because God is my provider. It's saying that my job is okay whether it happens or not because it's not my source. God is my source and my health is secure because by his stripes I am healed. Somebody ought to give God a shout of praise in this room. Come on. Lord, hear, hear, Lord. Search my heart and know my anxious thoughts. And here's, here's the next one. He says, verse 24, he says, see if there is any offensive way in me. As the worship team comes up, I'm gonna, I want to break this one down for us. He says, David knew this term offensive ways, offensive ways. It, it's interesting because he says offensive ways and then he says, but show me the way eternal life. He says offensive ways, but show me the way eternal life. It's interesting. It, it's it's like he's holding him at just the, just the position. He's, he's saying, show me my offensive ways. Now, this is important, again, because many times we're like, Lord, search my heart and look at the sin in my life. And when you know something, when you know about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit convicts the believer of their righteousness. So it's not God, show me my sin to show me how wrong I am. 
God reveals things in your life to show you that they don't believe they don't belong in the righteous person that I've made you. And so when God reveals something to us, it's not so that it's not so that we can feel holier. But when God reveals something to us, he's saying, hey man, I've made you brand new that don't belong in your life. See, the offensive ways, that term is, is, is the self-sabotaging part of our lives. I have, I have that. There's a self-sabotaging part of Rome. There is a part of me that is always working against me. Romans chapter 7 outlined it very clearly when, when, when the apostle Paul said, he says, man, it's almost like the thing that I want to do. I don't do, but the thing that I don't want to do, that I do. He's, he's talking about this, the offensive ways. He's talking about ways that they no longer correspond with God. Hear me, listen. Your offensive ways, your sin has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. The penalty and the punishment of your sin has been crucified with Christ. We learned it last week that he died for our sins and he died as our sins. But while we live on this planet earth, your offensive ways, your disobedience and obedience still have a lot of bearing in the world that we live in. So make it clear, as it pertains to salvation, your sins have been crucified with Christ. Your addiction has been crucified with Christ. God sees you as his righteousness. But just because God sees you as his righteousness doesn't mean other people will. And just because God has seen you as his righteousness doesn't mean that you are not going to do things that will hurt yourself. See, when David says, search my heart and see if there's any ways that are offensive, he's, he's talking about ways that are hurtful to others in ways that are hurtful to himself. I wish someone would have told me this because I spent a lot of years asking God to show me these sins so that God will be pleasing with me, pleased with me. I want to let you right now, you're, you're secure. God sees you as righteous as Jesus when you have placed your faith in him. Your punishment has been dealt with. But just because God has dealt with your sin, in the spiritual realm doesn't mean that you're not going to hurt yourself or you're not going to hurt others. And I don't know about you, but I'm done. I'm done with, I'm done with the part of me that's self-sabotaging. I'm done with the part of me, I don't know about you, but I'm done. I'm done with the part of me that seems to always be working against me. Lord, search my heart. And look at that part of me that keeps self-sabotaging. Look at that part of me that works against my goals, works against the desires you have of me. Lord, work in me. Lord, search my heart, see if there's any offensive ways. And maybe you're wondering, like, what are these offensive ways? And here's, here's a clear way. Ask these three questions and you'll know. Number one, write this down. What are people close to you trying to tell you? What are the people most close to you? I'm talking about spiritually mature people. You know that, that you, they've shared some things with you. And we got to be careful because sometimes, again, edification doesn't feel encouraging. So sometimes God will put people in your life to talk to you and you'll demonize those people because you don't want to deal with that part of you that's self-sabotaging. 
See, David was at a place that he was done. Second question, what have I been rationalizing? You know, I have to. That's the way I cope. Listen, if you, if you live the life I live, if you had to deal with what I had to deal with you, you would do it too. What's the part of you that's most offensive? When you hear it, you just get the most offensive. No, that's not, that's not the case. No, no, no. You don't even, it's, we can't even talk about it. You've, you've, abs- you've removed it from even being spoken about. You don't, nope. Saying, Lord, I'm done. 2021? That's a good mantra right there. 2021, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done without trusting you. I'm done with, with the self-sabotaging ways that I have. See, your, your porn addiction has been crucified on the cross, but your porn addiction could still be hurting and hurting others. See, if you commit adultery, I love when we talk about sin and kuha. We're like, we never do this. See, if you commit adultery, your sin has been crucified on the cross. I'm telling you, your sin has been crucified on the cross. But you will deal with the consequences of it here on earth. Lord, deal with my offensive ways. It's hurting me and it's hurting others. You're gossiping. It's hurting me and it's hurting others. You're gambling. It's hurting me and it's hurting others. Your selfishness. It's hurting me and it's hurting others. Has nothing to do with your relationship with God. God has already forgiven you. But that's the beauty of it because God's forgiveness is what allows you to move forward from this. Here's the last thing I want to say to you. Guidance. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive ways in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. The Lord had to search my heart. And when he searched Rolando's heart, he found offensive ways and he found anxious thoughts. He saw the little child in me that was seeking to be seen as a success and was living a life petrified of being seen as a failure. I even put myself in abusive relationship just so that I can get the satisfaction of attention and being seen as a success in the eyes of someone who was abusive. Lord, search my heart. And the Lord found some anxious thoughts and he found some offensive ways in me. And it wasn't to point out simply what was wrong in our lives and what you were going to be judged for. It was to point out what you were never made for. You were never made for this. Marlon, you were never made for that. Frank, you were never made for that. Felicia, you were never made for that. Nikki, you were never made for that. Charlie, you were never made for that. Mel, you were never made for that. You know what that that is. I don't know, but this is where we open up our hearts and say, Pastor Ro, why do you cry in every message? I don't know. Man bun is tight. Angie, you were never made for that. Sahab, you were never made for that. Vic, you were never made for that. You know what that that is. Search my heart, God. And he says, show me the way of everlasting. 
Ruben, you can take this, um, or whoever our roadie team is. They're like one person in the roadie team. As well, we don't have a roadie team. We have a roadie person. <laughs> Guide me in the way of everlasting. What Jesus does is that he knew that we could never find our way to everlasting. But what God did was began to lead me to the way of everlasting. And the way God leads you to the way of everlasting is that he brings the way of everlasting to your doorstep. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. But guess what? We could not find the way on our own. So God literally picked up the way and he placed it at your doorstep. And he says, I stand at the door and knock. Just asking you to walk with me. Matthew chapter 7, he says, watch me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. He says, he says watch with me. This is what God wants to do. He wants to hold you by the hand. And he just wants to guide you. And, he, and he's, God is not a bully. God is not going to come like Biggie Smalls kicking the door with the 4-4. God is going to stand there at the door and knock and say, hey, I'm waiting. 2021, I'll wait to 2022 whenever you're ready. 2022, 2023, I'll wait. But I will stand at the door and I will knock until you open and say, I'm ready. David said, I'm ready, God. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. See, it says, it says, lead me to the way of everlasting. You know why? Because the Bible says that he has placed eternity in our heart. Do you know what that means? That they will, there's an eternal size hole in your heart that cannot be satisfied by anything else than by the eternal ways. This is why the psalmist said, when my heart fails, you are the strength of my heart. He's placed eternity inside all of us and we are all on a journey seeking for satisfaction and fulfillment, but it will never happen until that gap is filled with eternity itself. And Jesus says in John chapter 17, this is eternal life, that they may know the Father and the Son whom he has sent. Your eternal life begins with your relationship with God. Can we get up on our feet and bow our heads? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Close your eyes, bow your heads right here in this place. If you're watching online, I want to thank you for tuning in. And we want to pray for you. Today God has spoken, today God is in this place. And he says, I'm the only one qualified to search the human heart. But he will not barge in, he will not kick in the door. He, he will simply knock and wait for you to answer. If today you're saying, I'm done with the lies, I'm done with the self-sabotaging, I'm done. Lord, search my heart. If you're here in this place, and, that, and I'm going to pray for you, and I just I want to ask, would you like me to pray for you? If you say, Pastor Ro, can you include me in that prayer? I want you to raise your hand all over this room and online. Raise your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. Hands lifted up all the way up, all the way. Lord, search my heart. Lord, search my heart. Lord, search my heart. 
Lord, search my heart. Lord, search my heart. Lord, search my heart. Lord, search my heart. Lord, search my heart. Put your hand right back down. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every life that just raised their hand. Lord, I believe that that is an extension of their heart and soul being raised to you. We ask you, Lord, this dangerous prayer because it's so vulnerable, God. It's getting on the inside and, and you're dealing with areas we don't want to be dealt with, God. But Lord, in a way of faith, we're saying, God, go ahead. Even if, if what comes up, we don't like. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dealing with us. We thank you that when our heart fails, you are faithful, Lord. Here it is. You can have our heart. If you're in this room, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, or maybe if you, you have and you just haven't been following his ways and you would just want to make a prayer of faith and declaration, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your forgiveness. And I thank you that from this day forth, I am a new creation. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again on the third day. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a strong clap offering of praise. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.